Hey y'all, Seth Bradley here. Thank you so much for tuning in and spending your valuable time learning with us. Absolutely appreciate each and every one of you. I've got a small ask. If you'd please just take a few seconds and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening from, it goes a long way in landing the best new guests for our show. That's it. Thanks again. Let's go. This is the Passive Income Attorney Podcast where you'll discover the secrets and strategies of the ultra wealthy on how they build streams of passive income to give them the freedom we all want. Attorney Seth Bradley will help you end the cycle of trading your time for money so you can make money while you sleep. Start living the good life on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Seth Bradley. What's going on, Law Nation? Welcome to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast your favorite place for learning about the world of alternative past investing so that you can have more freedom, flexibility, and fun. Today, we have an incredible guest, Laura Terrell. She's an executive coach with over 25 years of experience as a legal and business leader. She offers an insider's perspective for business, legal, and corporate professionals, working to help her clients to improve and achieve success in their work lives. Prior to her coaching, she's done it all in her legal career. She was a special assistant to the president at the White House, a senior level appointee at the U.S. Department of Justice, an equity partner at two huge global law firms, and in-house counsel at a publicly traded company. She's had quite the career. Um, it's an incredible journey she's about to share with us. All right, folks, let's jump in. Laura, welcome to the show. Hey, Seth, it's great to be here with you. Absolutely. Had a little technical difficulties here, but glad we got those solved. So let's just jump right in. Tell me a little bit about your background and what, what's your story? Great. Well, like you, I've been a practicing attorney for many years, different capacities. I've worked in public service and the federal government. I've been a partner in two big AMLA top 25 firms. I've also been in-house counsel for a publicly traded company. Now I'm an executive coach. I work with a lot of lawyers as well as other professionals. And I'm also the general counsel for a 501c3 nonprofit. Oh, wow. So you've done it all. I mean, you've, you've been an equity partner at a large law firm or multiple large law firms, general counsel. You've, it sounds like you've kind of led the, um, you know, the, the highest echelon of uh, legal careers. <laughs> Well, I've been fortunate enough to surf a lot of different venues as a lawyer, which I think has been really fun. And I think it's given me a broad perspective on not only the different things you can do as a lawyer, but the different things you can do professionally that involve leveraging your law degree, but maybe not working as a practicing lawyer at times. Yeah, for sure. Tell me a little bit, maybe like what you loved about practicing law and what you hated about it. Love to hear some of that. Well, I think everybody has stories about that. I think for me, what I loved about practicing law, what got me into practicing law in the first place is I really liked solving puzzles and solving problems for clients. A lot of my career was spent in difficult policy arenas and handling tough, complex investigations and commercial litigation matters with long, painful stories behind them for my clients, um, drawn out litigation, negotiation, settlement. And I really liked the challenge of trying to figure out how to bring a solution to the table and how to fit the pieces of the puzzle together to try to get to a better 
end goal, how to get to a better solution for my clients. Those were the great days. And I really love the people I work with. I've been fortunate to work with some incredibly talented attorneys. And I think if you enjoy the people you work with and you enjoy the work you collaborate on together, that's an incredible way of really having a valuable and a rewarding legal career. I think like a lot of attorneys, there were days though that I got frustrated with some of the hours, some of the time, um, some of the travel. At one point in my career, I was traveling more than I was at home in any given month. And that, that was a little bit difficult for me. Some people say, oh, the travel sounds great, but it can be really hard when you're on the road that much. I think the other thing that was tough for me in private practice, and one of the things I enjoy about coaching is I really did not have as much time to connect with, mentor, and work with people as I would have liked to help them develop a better relationship with their legal career, develop a better um, perspective on why they were attorneys and what they needed to do to succeed and, and what would make them feel more fulfilled in their legal careers. And so that's one of the things I did get to do in coaching now that I really enjoy. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, working with the right people makes, you know, a huge difference, no matter what kind of profession you're in and what kind of work environment you're in. But I think some people struggle with that, especially attorneys, they get pushed into this certain, you know, maybe a certain practice group, and you're only working with, you know, one or two attorneys or, you know, five attorneys, and maybe you just don't fit. Maybe it's just not a culture fit with those folks. And I think that's where some of the problems sometimes develop. I know I had that issue at, at a certain firm where it's just like, man, I'm just not fitting in with these folks. And there's not a whole lot you can do with it as, you know, for instance, as a young associate, you might have a little bit more control over it as you, as you get older and you move your way up in the ranks. But um, working with great people is certainly something that could kind of make or break how you feel about your career path and, and how you're going about it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things I, I work with a lot of attorneys who come to me and are interested in developing a strategy for making partner at their law firms, which I think is a great goal. But one of the first things I ask them to really think about is what partnership looks like at their firm. Is it the right culture and the right environment where they want to make that investment? We're talking about a path where you may need to be planning for several years and really developing an intense um strategy for how you're going to achieve that goal. And then once you're a partner, are these the kinds of attorneys you want to practice with? Are they supportive of your practice? Are they giving you the bandwidth? Maybe you have a fairly new practice, maybe something more entrepreneurial. Are they giving you the, the bandwidth to do that? Is this the right place for you? And I find sometimes when I talk to attorneys who are interested in partnership, as they start moving down that pathway, they start having some thoughts about, hey, wait a minute, maybe what I want and what the firm I'm in is focused on are not really aligned. And if I want to be a partner, or if I want to do something more entrepreneurial, or I want to do something that is in a practice that's not as favored here, maybe I need to think about making a switch instead of thinking about committing long-term to where I am. Gotcha. Yeah, I love that. Let, let's dive in a little bit more to kind of that executive coaching. I think that's really interesting for attorneys because sometimes when you get in a large law firm or you know any law firm, trying to figure out what you're supposed to do is really difficult. Like you're like, okay, I want to go down this partnership track and I want to become partner. Sure, you can ask some of the people that are you know ahead of you, um, you know, some tips and tricks or what I need to do, how many hours I need to bill, who I need to you know talk to, where I need to develop business. But a lot of times, you know, you're afraid to ask. You know, if you're young, you're afraid to ask. You're just trying to put your head down and work. Um, and sometimes people aren't readily providing you with that information anyways, because maybe they're, you know, it's a little bit competitive. Maybe they're, you know, just trying to 
um, you know, they, they want to be helpful, but they don't want to be too helpful. And, you know, it's service like from yourself, um, executive coaching and where you've been through the whole gambit of, um, you know, the legal career, it sounds like it could be very useful to a lot of attorneys. Well, I think it, you you put your finger right on it, Seth. I think one of the things that's difficult is asking questions and getting information that might help you assess what do I want to do as a lawyer? Hey, I just graduated from law school and I know I'm supposed to learn how to practice, but what does that really mean? And what if I've done that for three years or five years or six years or seven years? Then what? Then what am I supposed to be doing? And I find one of the things that's difficult for lawyers, it's, it's interesting. We're great advocates, right? We're really good at asking questions and advocating for our clients. But often I find attorneys are less interested in asking questions that help themselves. They don't want to approach maybe somebody and say, hey, what was it like when you were a sixth year associate and you were trying to figure out where you wanted to go in terms of your next moves in your career? And did you want to really be a commercial litigator or did you want to move more into a transactional uh, profession in, in your firm? And I think asking those questions and getting people to open up is tough. I think sometimes people are also afraid of the answers they might get. They might go to somebody and say, hey, I'd, I'd really like to start a new practice maybe in cannabis law, or I'm really interested in doing something with crypto. And the answer they get might be, yeah, I don't really know that this is the place to do that, or I don't really know that I can help guide you. But it's better to know that and be able to assess where you're going. And I think the danger is you think in law school, you get good grades, you do really well, people say, good job. And in a law firm, if you hear that for a few years, you think, I'm doing great. This is, you know, what could possibly go wrong? And I think a couple of things come to mind. One is that sometimes people realize I'm doing a good job, but I'm not sure where this is going long term for me. And two, sometimes people assume good job equates to you're going to be a partner here or you're going to be a tremendous success. And maybe you're not seen as partnership material or maybe you don't really fit the track of where other people have headed on the path to partnership. And by asking some of those questions and doing a little bit of your due diligence, not only about your firm, but about what really matters to you, I think is how you get more engaged with your career and you find more satisfaction. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now, what are some of the biggest pain points that you hear from from your coaching clients or maybe even on that first onboarding call or discovery call that you have with them? You know, what are some of those things that they they bring up first that's kind of that that biggest pain point? And that might not even be the actual source. That just might be kind of the the exterior thing that they give you and then you can dive down a little bit deeper. I think some of the first things I hear especially from lawyer clients are how alone they feel, particularly if they're in a big firm. You don't get handed a manual when you walk in the door of how to succeed in your law firm or how to find a path to promotion. And I think people feel, I don't really know where I look to find out how I get to that next level or how I know if I'm doing well. I get an annual evaluation, I get some feedback, but I don't really have a sense of who I am and where I fit. And I'm not sure who to ask. And I feel like if I ask, I'll look weak or I'll expose myself to somebody else. Oh, everybody knows, you know, how to do that. And, and, and I'll feel stupid. And so I think there's a lot of insecurity and I think there's a lot of feeling alone. Like you can't ask that. I think that's a real pain point. I think another pain point is something I've heard you talk about with a number of your um, guests on your podcast is 
people that are more senior in their careers really getting to an inflection point where they've maybe been practicing for eight, 10, 12 years, and they're starting to ask themselves, is this what I want to keep doing for the next decade of my career? And a lot of times they're at a loss to envision what something else might look like. And they're doing the work that they're doing because they don't know anything else. And I know you can relate to this in, in your own uh, path as well as that what you've heard from, from podcast interviewees that you've, you've had on your show. But I think that's such a powerful statement. You know, I'm doing this because I don't know what else I could be doing. And when I think about some things that I could be doing, I don't know how to get started. Yeah, it forces, you know, having that conversation forces people to, to start being a little bit more creative with the skill set that they've already developed, especially as, let's say, an attorney, because most of our listeners are attorneys. And it's you just have to think like, you know, I not only am I an attorney, I can also do other things. And because I've developed these skills as an attorney, they can apply to lots of other different things. We're really smart, intelligent people, and we can apply these skills to um, you know, different, different avenues of success, you know, whether that's, you know, in, in family life or, you know, some sort of other side business or, you know, maybe even starting your own law firm, whatever that might be, but there are other avenues. And sometimes you've got to explore that with folks so that they can open up their mind to the possibilities rather than just being stuck in that same track. Like this is the only thing I can do. I can only be employed by, you know, a certain size law firm. And that's, you know, the only thing that I can do. Um, you've really got to kind of dig down and, and kind of almost build their confidence that they can go outside of you know this certain track if they want to and, and try something new. Absolutely. And I think one way to look at it is to say you're investing in yourself. And if you've invested in yourself somewhere for five or six years and you don't feel like you're really progressing where you want to be and you feel like you need to make a switch, but you're afraid to do that because, gosh, you've put in all this time. Well, it's a little bit like looking at a financial investment that's not done well. And you might want to really take a critical look at, do I need to diversify out of this? Maybe I don't start by wholesale switching and dumping all of my stock uh, day one, but maybe I start by exploring some other things I could do outside of that. Maybe it's looking at some passive investment opportunities. Maybe it's starting to dabble in angel investing or if you've got a side gig that you've been thinking about doing some experimenting with that and maybe starting to work outside of your, your regular job and see if it's something that appeals to you. I think that's a, a good way to test the waters and see, do I need to shift my perspective on how I invest in me and how I put my time into the things that matter to me? Yeah. Yeah. I think a, an overarching thing there is control. And I like to say we, we need to start taking back control of our own future. You know, if, if we're employed at this big law firm or this medium sized law firm, whatever it might be, um, you know, we're, we're sending all this money into a 401k and that's all we do. We put in this retirement fund and then we're stuck because then we can't take it out without a major penalty until, you know, we're at a retirement age. I say with something that important, you need to take control over it. Well, you can invest in whatever you want, but make sure that you educate yourself so you can make good decisions, invest in real estate, invest in businesses, become an angel investor. Um, you can still, I don't love traditional investments, but you can invest in stocks, bonds, and mutual funds. Um, but learn how to do it yourself instead of relying on somebody else. Maybe get some advice from experts, but 
you know, take control back of your life. And I like to say some of these passive investments, it's like buying back your time because you can create these, these small passive income streams. And over time they start adding up and you can start, you know, practicing less. If you want to, um, you have that option, having multiple streams of income rather than just one single stream of income, which is very risky, um, opens up the possibilities to where you can start exploring other things that you might want to explore or just taking back some of your time to spend with your family, friends, activities that you want to do. I think thinking about it in terms of how you control and how you have ownership over your individual financial future is really important. Uh, I've actually talked to attorneys who've said, I didn't put that money into my 401k. I didn't get that match because I just, I wanted the really great car and, you know, I'm going on some great vacations. I bought a probably a more expensive house than I could have afforded. But I just assumed as I got further along in my path, I'd get promoted, I'd get bigger bonuses. If I make partner, if I go further in my corporation, I should be able to make up for that. And taking that control, taking that ownership early in your career is something I would really encourage attorneys to to do more proactively. We were chatting about before the show, you and I, how um, it's easy to um, say, I didn't go to law school to learn math. I didn't go to law school to get involved in finance. But you need to manage your finance from a life perspective. I remember talking to a uh, financial officer for one of the law firms I worked for, and we were talking one time about people not understanding the profitability of their work. And that if they build, you know, $300,000, but they only collected 200,000 and it cost you 250 to do the work, that wasn't profitable. And I said, it's not just like writing a check off your checkbook that you don't have enough money to cover. And I remember the CFO saying to me, well, a lot of people in this firm write checks off their personal checkbook that they don't have money to cover. And he said, it's, it's, they apply that same mentality to how they manage their business within the firm. I think if you're managing your own P&L within a firm or you're aspiring to do that as a partner, you got to know how to manage your own financial house as well. And doing that from really early stage. And look, I, if you want to buy an expensive house, if you want to buy an expensive car, great. I mean, you have to figure out for you what your priorities are and how you become financially independent enough to do that. I just think you need to take ownership of what you're doing and take that control, as you say, Seth, to really manage and think about what does that future look like before I get there? Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful stuff. I mean, a lot of times if you can take a step back and treat certain parts of your life like a business and look at it like a PL statement, even your personal finances, most people don't track that stuff. They don't even know where their money's going. I mean, us attorneys, you know, we're making you know, a couple hundred thousand up to a million dollars a year or whatever. And we don't even know where it goes. We're just spending it. We're buying bigger houses. We're buying a nicer car, buying a nice watch, suits, clothes, all that stuff. We're spending it on our kids, you know, going on these lavish vacations. We're, we're spending all this money. We don't even know where it goes. We just know that there's more coming in the door here in two weeks. So we're good to go until it's not, until it's not good to go until we hit a recession and, you know, we get laid off and then we're scrambling for a job and we've still got all these bills to pay because we've, you know, bought all these different things that we don't really need. Um, but if you really start tracking your expenses and looking to see where it goes, you know, your attention goes where or your mind goes where your attention flows and you can figure out where you can start saving and start investing instead and creating financial freedom for yourself. Attorneys, doctors, passive income seekers, I'm talking to you. 
I remember investing in my first passive real estate deal, the anxiety, the uncertainty of what I didn't know and what I had never done before. It was a lot of money being wired to someone I barely knew. Now, it all worked out, but that's not always the case. I would have never invested in that same deal today now that I have the knowledge and the confidence to know how to invest intelligently. And now with a combination of uncertainty and a flood of newbie sponsors in the market, how do you find the true experts that will perform and make your investment successful? For those of you out there looking to learn how to invest passively in syndications, we've been behind the scenes working on something very special. You don't have time to go through a six month course or to try to make a program designed for deal sponsors work for you. You wanna be a passive investor, focus on your career and your family, but add cash flowing, appreciating commercial real estate investments to your portfolio. So you can practice when you want to and not because you have to. We've built a powerful passive investor program designed to teach you everything you need to know, but nothing that you don't. It's a four week program, but if you really wanna make moves, it can be completed in just a few days with ongoing support as you make your investment decisions. Passive Income Pro is enrolling now with a very limited number of seats for each cohort, so you can get the hands-on attention that you need. Go to PassiveIncomePro.io to learn more. Right, and finding, as, as you know, a way to grow your money and be able to have the flexibility. The point for most people of having more income is to have more flexibility, to have more options, to have more freedom, to be able to do things that otherwise they might not be able to do. But if you don't manage that money from the beginning by thinking about how do I get it to grow? How do I continue to generate a stream of income, whether that's active or passive, or it's a combination of some stock investments or something more creative, whether it's crypto or real estate or something outside what most attorneys, I think, think of as things they can or should invest in, you're taking the wheel of your financial future by sitting down and really thinking through that very clearly. Yeah. Yeah. And I did want to go back and comment on something. If you treat kind of you yourself as a business to the partner and you present it that way, and you, that's really powerful. If you say, hey, partner, let's say you're an associate and you want to go to the partner and say, how can I make you more money? Or how can I make the firm more money? How can I be a profitable cog in the wheel here? That's really powerful. If, if I were a partner, then I would be like, this, this person gets it. Like, I, I like this person. This person gets it. They're, they're trying to figure out how this firm works and how they can be more profitable and we can be more efficient. I think financial knowledge is absolutely power within a law firm and, you know, within any business. But in a law firm, the number of people that I talk to who are getting close to or are on partnership path that don't really have an understanding of the financial metrics or the economics that their firm functions by is really surprising to me sometimes. And when we start talking about making partner in a law firm, one of the first questions I ask is, what do you know about the financial metrics that are required of you? What, what's your margin of profit that you need to generate? What's your billable rate? What is your AR on the work that you bring in? And this is a failing for many law firms that a lot of more junior lawyers haven't been trained in this and they haven't asked. But I also know lawyers that go to the partners, as, as you've just pointed out, and say, hey, I want to understand when we're doing this work, what does it really mean financially for the bottom line to the firm? Can I start 
getting more involved with the bills? Can I start figuring out how this works? And I think the most successful people that achieve partnership in firms usually have a really, really good understanding of that. People that just say, hey, I, I build 2,000 hours or 2,300 hours or God forbid, you know, more than that in the last year. People that say, I just build a lot of hours. Okay, but what's the quality of those hours? What's the value of those hours? And that's the same kind of question you ask yourself in your personal life. What's the value of the time I put in for the money that I receive? And how can I change that so I can make it more valuable? Yeah, yeah. Now, I've been a little bit out of the loop uh, as far as law firm life, but you know, have law firms invested a little bit more? Do you think it would be valuable for them to invest a little bit more in you know, financial education for you know, young attorneys or even mid-level attorneys and also you know, how, to, how to market and how to develop business? It seems like if they would you know, maybe lower the billable hour requirement initially, and invest instead in teaching folks how to, you know, teaching folks about business, about the business of the law firm, and then also how to develop business, it, it would pay off in the long run. I think some firms are working much more actively to do that, including explaining to associates, hey, why does it matter if you enter your time in a timely manner, if you enter your billable hours every day, every week, you know, it used to be every week. Now firms are really saying we need it entered and closed every day. And I hear attorneys say, well, why does that matter? Well, if you think about being able to get bills out, being able to get paid, being able to reduce your accounts receivable, and that that enables the firm to have income that comes in faster, that makes sense in terms of having more flexibility and having more um, financial responsibility as an organization. I think one of the things that attorneys often forget is also that firms are really large corporate enterprises, particularly big AMLAW 100 firms. There are firms with you know thousands of attorneys, plus support staff and professionals that work within the firm. And managing this as a huge corporate enterprise is a real challenge. I think it's helpful. I see some firms that are making strides to doing that and really bringing in uh, younger attorneys, uh, attorneys maybe five or six years out from law school and helping to try to educate them on that as well as to getting them to think about personal branding and personal marketing in a bit different light. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's good to hear. At least I, I think it would be a valuable, um, a valuable journey for them to to teach people these things so that they're you know in the long run it'll pay off. So um, let's switch gears a little bit. I want to get into some of the investments and some of the things that you do. I know you're an angel investor. You invest in real estate. You know, tell me a little bit about you know how you got started in investing and what kind of you know triggered that. Um, triggered that that start where you're just like, okay, I want to invest, you know, outside of traditional stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and start looking at maybe some alternative investing in real estate or as an angel investor, things like that. For me, it was a personal passion. I wanted to do something that was more involved in a business capacity outside the legal world, and I was really interested, in particular, in supporting women-owned, women-supported, and women-founded businesses. And I started doing angel investing in that space in startup companies, very early stage investment work, some family and friends money, but also angel and series A level. And for me, that was just born out of, as I said, a, a personal interest. And I converted that into something that I thought, well, if I'm really interested in this, I need to learn about it. I need to understand the risks and the reward from that. And as you know, Seth, I mean, this is not like investing in your traditional index fund or your 
your uh, bonds or your, your, your CDs. It's a, it's, a, it's a different playing field and you really have to understand it. Um, real estate, I know that I'm not cut out to be an active real estate investor. I don't manage properties. I don't um, handle the, the rental agreements and that sort of thing. So, you know, syndicated real estate and investing is more of an option for me to be able to diversify my portfolio. One of the things I love about um, also talking with a lot of people that are younger than I am and just starting out in their careers is hearing how interested they are in this diversification. And I think that's something that I wish I had known earlier. It came to me later as I was looking for a way to break out of the law firm model of just put into your 401, just put in some other investments, put it in a traditional fund. And I talk with a lot of Gen Z and other um, professionals who are, you know, not just open to this, but they consider this necessary, having a broad mix of things that not just that they care about and personally feel are important, maybe from a values or a priorities perspective, but really understanding the investments that they're involved in. Yeah, yeah. And I think it, it relates a lot to the younger generation seems to be, they, they value their freedom a little bit more as far as freedom with their time. So, you know, working until they're 65 years old, billing 2,500 hours a year doesn't sound good to them. Whereas when we were practicing, we were like, well, we're just going to do what we got to do to make partner, whatever it takes, whatever it takes. I think a lot of folks that are younger nowadays, they're just like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. So I want to at least start preparing for something different if I do want something different. And a lot of that usually boils down to investing in, in certain things like real estate and um, business. I also see uh, partners, though, that are starting to make different choices about how they put their money into investment vehicles. And some of them that sure. are passionate about real estate as a viable um, alternative to traditional uh, stocks and bonds. And I think that's a bit of a change as, as venture capital and private equity have become more um, mainstream clients for large law firms and are looking at folks like yourself that run their own asset management practices, folks that um, are teaching lawyers about how they can be better business investors. And so I do see some change. I see some interest and um, people that are making different plans. And that's enabling even partners uh, like myself that, you know, loved practicing law to uh, do some practice of law um, in, on a continuing basis. I still do. But also to have another stream of income that I leverage from uh, passive investments and, and other opportunities. And I think you see a little bit more of that partners that are easing maybe out of their practice, maybe going part time maybe taking a senior counsel role so that they can transition into doing that and really uh, spending some time on the business side of things as well. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Is that something that you um, help coach as well um, as far as not giving financial advice, but at least kind of opening people's minds up to, Hey, why don't you maybe consider this? You can also invest in this. I've invested in this before and had some success. Is that something that's part of your coaching program as well? I don't really provide investment tips and I'm not a CFP um, or right. certified financial advisor, but I do work with a lot of clients who say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm getting to a point where I'm looking at maybe retiring before I'm 65 and I'm trying to figure out what that would look like. And one of the first things I recommend is that they really do sit down with a, a CFP and go over their financial picture. But Many of them also say, you know, but I want to think about something outside of 
just W-2 income. I want to think about what I would do. And we've talked about things. I have several clients that are interested in angel investing. I have several clients that are um, focused on some um, REIT investment work that they're um, uh, planning for as part of their portfolio. So we do talk about those things. I think the one thing I ask them to do is, you know, when they say to me, look, you know, money is still something I need to have a stream of income. I can't just stop working and not have income. And I encourage people not to apologize for that. You know, don't say this is, you know, I, I, people say a little bit abashedly, well, you know, I still need to make money. Hey, that's not a bad thing. Let's yeah. just think about how you would make money in a different way and what that might look like for you. And that can be a leap for a lot of people that have gone to an office and drawn a salary or taken a partner draw for a number of years to really think about functioning differently. It also makes them think about how they'd spend their time differently. Um, some of them may be more actively working to manage their investments. Maybe they want to join the boards of some of the companies that they're investing in and be a, a board advisor or a formal board member, or maybe they want to um, help develop and help syndicate deals as a general partner in a firm. And that may involve some learning, that may involve some training, and that can be fairly new for people that think they've mastered one area of their professional lives to come in and learn another. But that's also part of a lifelong learning process that appeals to many of them. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And just having that conversation, opening up the fact that we can openly talk about money and it's not faux pas, you know, a lot of people just think that it's not okay to talk openly about salaries and what you make and all that. We've just kind of been taught that traditionally. Um, but I try to make that conversation open and honest and, hey, let's have a discussion about your income, your expenses, what you need, what you might just want um, and what you're comfortable with before we can start kind of digging down to, you know, what types of investments or, you know, those sorts of things that make, start making sense for you. Yeah. And I, and I think it's really just important to get clear about what's important to you. If you think you need the same amount of income that you had as a law firm partner to continue in the lifestyle that you want to continue in, that's great. You just need to own that and you need to figure out what that income and spend looks like so that you have that. If you're somebody that is saying, look, I, I think I don't really need that. I want to have more flexibility, maybe to make some riskier investments, but that I think are more interesting to me. Um, great. I think you need to own that as well and, and, and plan for it. I think being honest about what's important to you about money is tough for a lot of people. Sometimes I have clients that say, I really want to move to a new role and I have an idea of what it should look like, but I need to make more money. I'm sorry to say that that's terrible of me. And I say, why is that <laughs> terrible? You know, you, you have a family or you have student loans or you have other obligations you need to be honest with yourself about what your financial picture needs to look like for you to feel that you are meeting the needs that you have. And once you start really focusing on that, what does your financial picture need to be to meet the needs that you have? I think you get a lot more granularity and people that might start thinking about negotiating salary last or looking at salary last in a next job or at income as a secondary feature of retirement when they really need it to be a primary feature, start getting a bit more focused. Yeah. Yeah. You've really got to dive in there. I mean, a lot of the folks that I talk to, it sounds like a lot of the people that you coach, you know, they need help with, um, you know, staying in the law firm life and how can I excel at that? Give me the tools and the, the, the ideas I need to excel um, 
in my career. A lot of folks that I talk to are trying to get away from the law. So I, I usually have to have that conversation and say, do you really dislike practicing law or is it something more specific about it? Is it, mm. you know, is it that specific department that you're working? Is it the people you're working with? As we mentioned earlier, maybe you need to just move to a different law firm or is it, you know, is it the, the type of work that you're getting or is it actually just the practice of law that you don't like? And then if it is that and you have to get away, then that's going to be a different financial pathway than if, you know, maybe you just need to a couple of small changes and you can keep making a lot of money in your salary and then start buying back your time piece by piece by investing in real estate or business or, you know, a side hustle or something like that. Um, definitely a conversation that you have to dig deep on to figure out what those what those true pain points are. And, and I think you and I probably hear a lot of the same things from the people that we have conversations with very much in the vein of what is it you don't like or what is it you do like about your firm? What is it you think you'd like about being a partner? What is it that you think might be hard about being a partner? And I have some tough conversations with clients who um, think being a partner means making more money and telling other people to do work all day. And it's not really that easy. <laughs> and... Um, I don't mean to suggest that I have clients that are that are naive, but I think sometimes the title is more attractive at, and maybe the money than the responsibilities and the obligations that go along with it. Um, by the same token, I talk to clients that are interested in making a change. Maybe they're interested in leaving a law firm to move in-house, but they've never really thought about what that financial picture looks like for them. And a lot of them are new to thinking about what happens if I get stock options or what happens if I get bonused by getting stock grants. And that's a very different experience than, again, being a W-2 employee with a discretionary bonus or no bonus. And thinking about what that looks like for them is, is something we talk about quite a bit. For sure. For sure. Laura, before we jump into the Freedom Four, what's one last golden nugget for our listeners? I think putting yourself as a priority, thinking of your career and your job with a business mindset, what matters to me in having the financial freedom and the business life that I want is powerful. I think it's really important to put that first and find then from what that answer is, what suits you professionally and where you want to be in a role or in a job it fits that. Love that. Love that. All right, let's jump into the Freedom Four. It's time for the Freedom Four. What's the best thing you do to keep your mind and body healthy? Exercise and sleep. Um, eating healthy, I guess I would add as a third. Um, you know, most lawyers are terrible about taking care of themselves. And I think a lot of people would say, I just wish I got more sleep. I just wish I, you know, was able to work out more regularly. You know, it's a priority like everything else. And I think um, it just helps your mind function. It helps you really be um, aware of the things that are bothering you, how you can overcome them, and it, and it gives you perspective. So sleep exercise and healthy eating, I think, are key. With all your success, what is one limiting belief that you've crushed along the way, and how did you get past it? I used to think if I hadn't done something, that it was going to be tough for me and I should probably be careful about taking on a new role, new job, new task, new project. And one of the things I've learned is that if I'm interested in it, 
and I'm willing to commit the time to learning it, it's worth plunging in. Uh, you don't know what you can do until you've tried it and you don't know how successful or, or how limited you can be in something until you give it a shot. And I think too many people hold themselves back from trying something new, trying something different just because they've never done it before. And I think for me, that's been a learning experience along the way to always embrace uh, the unexpected and take the new opportunity when it arises. Perfect. What's one actionable step our listeners can do right now to start creating more freedom? Being honest with themselves about what they really want and what they really need financially. Perfect. Last but not least, how has passive income made your life better? I think it's given me not just more financial freedom, but it's also just given me a whole new way of looking at um, how I build my income, how I build um, uh, my life around something that isn't limited by a certain wage for a certain hourly rate. It gives me value and it gives me flexibility that I wouldn't otherwise have. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's empowering, right? Laura, this has been awesome. Where can our listeners find out more about you? You can check me out on my website at lauraterrell, L-A-U-R-A-T-E-R-R-E-L-L.com. Uh, you can also search for lawyers. You can check out my uh, questionnaire on nine uh, questions that get lawyers thinking that lead to breakthroughs. You can find that at bit.ly, nine lawyer questions. Awesome. Awesome. We'll drop all that in the show notes. Laura, thanks again. Seth, thank you. It's been a pleasure. So much fun talking to you. Laura Terrell, what an incredible guest. Really appreciate her insider knowledge. I mean, wow, what a career, what a legal career she had and has and currently has. Um, and the insight she gives about being a business, right? About business development. Even if you're working at W2, you're an attorney, you're a doctor, someone like that, uh, a busy professional working at W2. You still need to think about yourself as a business. What makes you valuable to your firm or your business? How can I make myself, how can you make yourself indispensable? And a lot of it comes down to these soft skills that we aren't taught in college or law school or med school. I'm talking about business and marketing and branding ourselves. It's incredible how far those things can take us and we never think about it because we're too focused on billing hours and putting our head down and just doing the work. But really, we need to start focusing on treating our lives and treating our careers like a business. Laura did an incredible job at that. Really appreciate that. And like always, enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to the Passive Income Attorney Podcast with Seth Bradley. Do you want more ideas on how to generate multiple streams of passive income? Then jump over to PassiveIncomeAttorney.com for show notes and resources. Then apply for the private Facebook community by searching for the Passive Income Attorney on Facebook. And we'll see you on the next episode.